Hello, and welcome to the latest Guernsey Green Finance podcast. Guernsey, a jurisdiction that's helping lead the way in the development of green sustainable finance, and as part of that, we have our podcast series where we speak to and learn from some of the leading lights in this field. My name is Andy Sloan, I'm Deputy Chief Executive Strategy at Guernsey Finance, and I established our Green Finance Initiative, Guernsey Green Finance. Um, today, I am delighted to be speaking to someone who I've known for many years now on the sustainable finance journey. Gilan Malik Bates, co-founder of Plenitude, a leading, uh, not just a leading figure in finance, but a leading female figure in finance. She's a Woman in Finance 2020 finalist, uh, a board member, a mentor, and she's a strategic advisor to the Institute of Directors on Sustainable Finance. Gilan, good day to you. How are you? And welcome to the Guernsey Green Finance podcast. Good morning, Andy. Thank you for having me. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. The sun is shining, uh, as it always does in Guernsey. It, do, you know, it doesn't shine every day, obviously, but there's a fair <laughs> chance that it does. So, look, really pleased to um, be speaking to, to you today about, about the topic. Um, we've known each other for um, you know, many, many, many years now, and in fact, you have been, you know, been a very good uh, friend and supporter of Guernsey uh, in our in our journey of sustainable finance. Today's not about us. Uh, it's a bit more about you and your your views on some key issues uh, and topics. Can I just maybe just take a step back? And um, you know, if I maybe introduce you to our to our listeners uh, about how you got into this area and what motivates you in the green sustainable finance um, uh, area. Sure. Um, so thank you for having me, and uh, I, I I hope one day to get across to Guernsey uh, since I'm uh, such a supporter. So as um, as you mentioned, I'm one of the co-founders of Plenitude. Um, we're a London-based uh, startup, uh, values-led digital wealth and pensions manager who are ultimately helping individuals be able to align their values with their savings and pensions. And we do this by partnering with financial institutions. So in kind of um, tech parlance, because we sit in the fintech, the financial technology sphere, um, we're a B2B SaaS. So we're a software as a service. Um, we white label funds. My career started uh, quite a few moons ago now. Um, I started, I'm an ex-banker. Um, I was working at Morgan Stanley for 10 years. Um, I left Morgan Stanley and during timeout, I really thought about what it is that I wanted to, to do. I grew up in a family where, you know, sustainability runs in the family. Um, I'm very proud, actually, my father, uh, my architect father has been sitting on the conservation board um, in our local area for the last 30 years. And it's, uh, it's always very pleasurable to find, you know, uh, books on architecture and ecological architecture and sustainable architecture lying around. Um, and he, you know, says, oh, this is an old book. So, you know, I'm, I'm not first generation. And growing up with, with the values really of reuse, recycle, no waste, I'm also half Egyptian. So there's also the cultural spin where you see the world through a different lens and um, what, you know, less privileged looks like and not having resource looks like as well in, in, in a country that's incredibly populated as, you know, um, almost double the size of the UK's population, but with a lot less resource. So I was really thinking about how it is that I wanted to make an impact and I realized that in the corporate world as I was, kind of how my traditional career, I wasn't going to be able to do that. So after, you know, spinning myself into fintech strategy consulting, um, I met my fellow two co-founders, uh, Dan and Tim, a couple of years ago, just over two years ago, and co-founded uh, Plenitude. My role in Plenitude is business development and partnerships. Um, I'm also the diversity and inclusion officer of the firm 
a, a topic that's very important and very well embedded as well into, into sustainability. You can't talk about sustainability without um, diversity and inclusion. And really, our vision is to work towards a world where what we call sustainable investing um, is just investing in future. So as a firm, what we do, there's the investing piece. Educational remit is very, very important to us as well. So we do that through written articles. Uh, the Green Finance Interview Series that um, we were honored to have you as our second interviewee on um, when it began. Another very exciting project, which you know about, which I'm not really at liberty to talk about, but um, is very exciting nonetheless for the educational piece. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot in terms of policy consultations, both on national and international level. Um, so for example, one of the most recent bits that we did was a joint UK-Spain government report that looked at the advancement of green finance in both jurisdictions. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that article actually years ago. You um, cast my memory back to that one, but uh, but I never actually heard the uh, the complete story. I think all the times that we bumped into each other, worked together, I, I've never actually uh, taken time out and actually uh, probed you that particular question. And it's really fascinating because I think one of the the commonalities of our uh, of this podcast series is to is to hear just how ingrained the sustainability agenda is amongst you know those that have been at the forefront of it over the last few years it's not just a but it's not a recent phenomena for them for you know, most of the people that would be on no. the series it goes back you know you know to childhood and, and basically to core values yeah now however let's just move on very quickly you know, obviously appreciate it we like to keep these nice and Swift. short and interesting <laughs> but yeah no, but um, you mentioned fintech, and, I, and I'm a, you know, call me a bluff old traditionalist, uh, and I'm sort of getting my old sort of like uh, many fifties sort of like puzzle brand. Explain to me what the what the fintech in green angle is. Is it you know, and how is it going to be? You know, how can you apply fintech in green? Is is, is it something specifically distinct and different, or is it the application of the of the generic case into the in, in the specific use? You know, but explain to me a little bit more about. Uh, how we exploit fintech in, in the green space and how it's applied by Plenitude to uh, in, in the pension sector. Yeah, sure. So I think listeners, if they're familiar, they may have heard of, you know, a, a kind of green fintech or fintech for good, uh, tech for good. It's basically using tech in order to fix societies and, 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 and the world's real pain points. It's tech that has a purpose um, and it's not just, you know, tech for the sake of building tech, which when I entered the tech world uh, a few years ago, a good handful of years ago now, there was a lot of um, kind of tech for the sake of tech and it felt very saturated and that's changing now. I think the, the tech space has consolidated a lot and a lot of that has, is really driven by investors also asking the question, what problem are you trying to solve? And so there are a lot of really fantastic things going on um, in, in, in the tech space in order to improve um, you know, people and their well-being. Tech really, the, the power of tech, when we look at, especially for the finance sphere, it's very relevant because it's about data aggregation, um, the assimilation of data, um, therefore enhancing investment decisions and scalability. You know, we're trying to fix the figure that, you know, I think we've all heard, which is $6 trillion, right? The $6 trillion problem. And it's about really mobilizing money in order to, to create the right infrastructure for that. Um, and a lot of it is does come from the retail sphere as well. I know you've done a lot of other conversations to do, you know, about private financing and the role of the private sector. Um, and, and there is a big role because money that governments have put aside is substantial, but not substantial enough. And so the rest does have to be made up from um, the private sphere. So 
really for us, what we've been looking at, we had a report actually done uh, for us over the summer, looking also at AI and with regard to ESG. Um, and a lot of it really looking also at the rating space um, specifically. So you have, you know, as you'll be aware, there are a lot of uh, ratings, there are different ratings agencies out there. Um, and one of the main challenges of the sustainable finance space is a lack of transparency. And therefore, data, good quality data we're talking about, um, obviously not just any old data, um, is really important in order to over help overcome this problem. And what kind of the technology part does is allows for opportunities in order for gathering a lot of the unstructured data that is out there that, you know, human collection alone, a lot of the analysts sitting at the ratings agencies do this kind of on a human basis. But tech really allows for that unstructured data, which is data that is not in easily, easily kind of um, collectible or an, a, a analyzed form in order to be, you know, scraped and, and brought to the fore and um, amalgamated, um, interpreted, and therefore allows for, you know, hopefully investment managers as well to, you know, make, make decisions um, as well. And data is important in general because it is, you know, a factual view of the world um, and understanding where the real pain points are and therefore what the need it's where, where we need to kind of focus um, attention more urgently. And it also then helps us look and understand. I think a lot of the conversations that I've had in general, and when you look at kind of conversations at large, it's solutions. I think we seem to think that we live in a binary world. And if you actually look at data and therefore the solutions that we, we, you know, we can bring to the world, um, those, those solutions don't and shouldn't be binary. And data helps us get through all of that. And technology, again, to scale. Well, Gina, I'm, I'm going to just struggle now to actually ask you just the one question after what you just said, because while you were speaking, there was about, uh, I, I couldn't stop um, everything you said, you know, uh, sort of catalyzed another question in, in my head. And I, so if I, you know, this simple, so I'm a, I'm a user of tech and, you know, an Apple man. So basically I know I, I've been brought up on, on just pressing buttons. So I'm not really worrying about what's going on behind um, the screen. But could you just maybe for, for people like myself and other listeners, explain how the tech works about how, in terms of the application of fintech, what is it that you're drawing off and, and reporting? What's that process of data manipulation and pulling it through to the to the user interface? And then the question is, how does that app, drawing off of data work? And what are people wanting to have reported? And you talked about the six trillion, and I think for our listeners, it's the it's the issue of um, yeah, you know, the, the scale of capital that's required in sort of greening, uh, meeting the SDGs or the IPCC goals. But in terms of movement of capital, you're talking about applying this in the retail investment space. I think in that pension sector. If I imagine I'm a um, an owner, you know, we've got, I've got a pension scheme myself. What would I see? Uh, and what sort of reporting are we likely um, to need and want? My apologies. I think that's about five questions. <laughs> and I will try to, um, well, the pension, so um, the pensions bit, I think, is, is, is incredibly important. And so from pen, pensions generally, you know, for, for, from, from in basic terms, really, is getting people and, and why we're, our focus is there as well, is to help people retire, you know, save well for retirement and, and guarantee uh, a healthy income for that. And actually reports that we have looked at, so Fidelity um, put out in 2018 Financial Power of Women report that looked at um, the fact that for 
the average pension pot for a man um, currently kind of in the millennial um, age group, um, putting a, a money into a pension that's in line with government's auto-enrollment contributions would be worth just over £140,000 at the state pension age of 68. Um, women in that same age bracket um, can expect a pension pot of just over 125000 So you've got already a gap um, there. So it's one of the reasons why um, pensions and, and especially allowing it for the retail space is important because even though, you know, the, part of that pension gap obviously comes from the pay gap as well, and that's a different um, situation. But I think as a woman and other discussions that I've had with other women, and certainly there's, um, you know, one, one of my good friends um, who's also um, a banker, um, and she's just launched um, kind of a, an educational series um, because there's a lot more as women as well to do to empower ourselves and, and, and learning. And so platforms like ours, and there are others out there as well, it's really to help in that. Um, as well to 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 um, minimize that pensions gap. The other thing that was found, you know, Share Action again, um, they did a report a couple of years ago, their pensions for the next generation, and showed that only about 19% of UK workers report being happy with the current communication strategies about their employee benefits. Others, you know, Franklin Templeton's done a report that showed that 45% of people would be willing to make additional contributions if responsible investing was incorporated into their pension. So, you know, there's a lot of and, and then you have other, you know, studies that have also showed that, you know, people are not really engaging with their pensions either. And I think part of it is the intimidating nature of the financial sector at large, because normally we've been dealing with traditional structure of traditional asset managers, traditional wealth managers, and what tech and, and you know, there are other players out there as well in the market, you know, we do have competitors, really has, and I don't like the term democratization that seems to be used a lot. But what it is, is just giving accessibility to the regular person on the street in order to have more control of their money, of their funds, of their their future and allowing them to align their their pensions with um, with their values um, as well, um, and pensions are also important. Kind of moving on, and I, I realize I digress a little bit from some of your questions, a little bit more technical. But um, you know, from a legislative sneaky. perspective, I that was very sneaky, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me onto pensions, and it's an important topic. And there's you know a lot going on in that space. Um, you know, you had legislation that was came in through last year um, that requires pension scheme trustees to include ESG considerations into their investment, you know, decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually also privileged um, last month that we had um, the the uh, founding director of Peers for the Planet, Lynette Huntley. Um, she was, uh, she like you, is a fellow green finance um, interviewee. Um, and she was, uh, re- you know, um, leading the all part the parliamentary group uh, work on ensuring um, that the pension schemes bill recognizes climate risks as well in, in, in pensions. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, from other, you know, if we, if we want to talk about the tech and what, you know, and how that plays into all of that, you know, the work that we're doing and, um, you know, we're, we're UK based, but we're actually also um, in Switzerland currently through uh, the F10 accelerator and, Talking to um, you know the, the 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 either academics and institutions on the ground there, there's a lot of work to be done in the wealth management space that can be enhanced, and a lot of there are pain points that are to be enhanced 
by tech, um, again, from scalability, from educational perspective, um, in order to, again, help mobilize um, money, and especially retail money, that's growing immensely. Um, you know, Swiss Sustainable Finance, their annual report earlier this year, they showed um, a 186% increase um, in individual flows into sustainable investing versus um, 46% for institutional investing, you know, fund inflow, new fund inflows. So the retail sphere really is very growing and very important. And again, tech allows for the scalability of that. Okay, well, and you make that good point there, the Swiss Sustainable Initiative. Oh, well, the Swiss guys, well, I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Sabine, Sabine will kill me for that one, I tell you. Um, but, 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 if I just come back to, and one thing I, I'm sort of, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball in here. One thing I've never shared with you is possibly is my first job out of university was actually uh, selling pensions. And uh, I remember back in the day there, you know, you sort of even getting re- the returns data was probably a, a, a bit of a stretch. But me as a pension holder, what data and what reporting will I be able to see nowadays in that ESG space? I mean, for example, you know, what is it now that you're able, that the fintech is able to provide me as a, uh, as an individual that maybe you wouldn't have got 30 years ago or even three or five, five years ago? And how, and if you're looking at that, the increase of retail investment going to this space, how is, how is the, the fintech allowing me to classify and report what is sustainable? So what do, what will I what will I see as an individual? Yeah, I think that's less of um I personally think that's less of a of a tech um thing and more of a regulatory um aspect and you know there there've been a lot of regulations um, in the last, especially kind of a couple of years that have come through, whether it's, you know, the EU taxonomy, which is uh, obviously just, you know, come into law this year. You've got TCFD. Um, you've got the EU, which is putting out the new sustainability related disclosures in the financial services sector, which um, that's the regulation that comes into force um, in the spring. These are the things that are really driving the regulatory aspect and the disclosures and what investment managers need to do. So that last one that I mentioned, the sustainability related disclosures in the financial sector, financial services sector, that requires asset managers uh, basically disclose their strategic policy and business decisions and to evidence how they have integrated ESG considerations into their decision-making process so that they can demonstrate to end investors um, how the firm has integrated sustainability risks and considered you know, adverse sustainability impacts both at firm and portfolio level. Um, the PAS you know, the ISO PAS uh, reporting that as well kind of um, implements um, and enhances what firms have to do as well. Um, I think it's, a, is it the 400 and the 401? Um, I'm probably getting those numbers wrong. But, and then I think there's a 402. I, I know the, the BSI follow-up. PAS numbers, but not yes, the, the BSI PAS Yeah, so the BSI. Um, so you have the PAS, uh, the PAS um, uh, regulations, and they really look at what a firm is doing at a firm level. And then you have the EU tax taxonomy, which looks at what those investments are actually doing. So that kind of is what it's doing. And the tech follows because the tech um, has to also, you know, even it doesn't matter what the medium is, whether it's traditional
traditional voice, you know, um, person to traditional asset manager kind of conversation going on, or whether that interaction is uh, from in the tech sphere, um, we, also, we still have to adhere to the same regulations. And it's the regulations that really drives that. And to add to that as well, I know the UMPRI has also been doing a lot of work in terms of putting out case studies. Um, so to, again, demonstrate to the investment management sphere what and how it is that they need to be going about um, their considerations, um, their interactions with corporations and so on. So there's a lot, but it's, it's, it's really the regulation and regulation is important. We need that to frame the sphere. I think that there needs to be a bit more regulation and policy in place, um, especially if I think kind of more targeted towards the banks. Um, bankers are going to, I'm an ex-banker saying this, so I hope I don't get too much heat from uh, current fellow bankers. But, and I say that merely because um, when you look at debt capital markets origination, what's happening in the green bond sphere, it speaks very much to the great power of banks and um, their, their pivotal role in ensuring, you know, how, again, money is, you know, directed to, in, in, to the right places and the right infrastructure, because infrastructure, once it's built, as you know, is very hard to change afterwards, right? And you're building infrastructure that's for the future, that's future-proofed, sustainable. Um, and so that we need to get that right. And really, it's a regulation that does that. And tech kind of has to adapt to that regulation. You say, I mean, you talk about regulations there, but you've gone for a smorgasbord of, of, of different initiatives and reporting and, you know, uh, the European Union's taxonomy, the sustainable disclosures regulation, the ISO passes, the UK passes, then you've got the UK, the uh, the FCA uh, rules on ESG. There's a lot. It's like alphabet super <laughs> of acronyms. <laughs> how, how, how do you get it so that, how does the FinTech provide the transparency uh, that you referred to earlier? You know, how, do, how, does, how does one of the end user is able to cut through that morass and say, look, how do you help them understand their ESG from their SDGs or their, or their sustainable finance and their, their green assets? I mean, what's, how, how does it work if I'm a, um, you know, a simple soul? Yeah, I think a lot of that actually just happens at the institutional level. I think, you know, certainly, for example, the user journey for somebody coming onto our platform um, is a kind of your traditional, um, you know, IPS, your investment policy statement creation um, that looks at their risks, that looks at their um, financial goals. And so, so there's a lot of that that's kind of cut through and depending kind of where, you know, whether they have uh, independent, you know, financial advisors that can have, help navigate a bit of that. There's a lot, there's a lot of what we have spoken about really is at institutional level and ensuring that companies and investment managers are doing the right thing and that they are in, in integrating sustainability. It's not easy, I think, those of us in the sphere know that it's not easy necessarily if you're an individual and you want to choose who to, you know, go and have your money invested with. That's not an easy thing um, at, at the moment. And it's just kind of good old fashioned groundwork because you do have those who are doing it really, really well. You have, a, you know, a, a lot in the kind of the middle that are doing it reasonably all right and trying to find their feet. And then you have the ones that are kind of um, consistently, you know, doing what is that they want anyway, but kind of making the right noises. But actually, if you dig deeper, they're not really going the right way. But I think from, from a retail coming onto tech, the interface is very simple for them. So they don't have to deal with a lot of the, the stuff that we in the investment 
universe that institutions that, you know, wealth managers, asset managers, banks um, have to deal with from the regulatory perspective. But it's really kind of guiding them and, and, and helping them that if they do have those questions that they're able to um, be simplified. But a lot of it, they, it is, you know, a lot of what I've, I mentioned is really for the investment um, and institutional space. Okay, so again, I'm speaking of a simple soul here, but did you ever sort of lay awake at night and, and worry about the the industry or the or, or, or is all that's involved in this overcomplicating this whole process and you know making it um, uh, overly costly for what should be a, a simple and straightforward approach? You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're in Guernsey, we're uh, we're in, in a slightly different space. Like you talked about, we're, yeah. we service private wealth primarily, and we're able to create some very simple, straightforward uh, products and services, you know, to ensure they do what they say on the tin. So it's a very simple, uh, we've got a fund regime that very simply says 75% of the assets are invested in green assets and, and that and job done and move on, you know, disclosure re- uh, reporting regime uh, over and above that. How do you get to that sort of simplicity in the end of the day, in the, in the level of the, the retail uh, retail investor, once they've gone to, when the, the back end is such a complicated picture. I mean, is it that fintech is able to basically consolidate their land down into what are effectively two or three key metrics for me as a, a simple investor to follow? Yeah, I think um, for the retail, again, you, you're, you're right. I think, I, and that's probably why I've had a lot of sleepless nights um, <laughs> because. Um, I was just guessing. You know, <laughs> because of, um, no, you know, as, as, I think as an ex-banker and then when you see and, and kind of when we see the journey of um, sustainable finance and how it's developed, it's it's come a long way. And certainly in Europe, you know, we, you know, the, the, the Europe is doing well. You know, you look at other parts of the world, you know, you look at the U.S., that's whole, a whole other kind of quagmire and and Asia has its uh, challenges as well. But so in Europe, we are doing well. But I think when I've, when I, as I've been watching um, over the past handful of years, as, as, as you know, regulation and, and all of these things have really come in, I have had moments where I've been looking and thinking, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here, right? I think everything that we're doing, all, you know, the reason you do what you do, why I do what I do, why everybody else who really cares about this does what they do is, is, is a saying of, you know, capitalism and the way the business status quo as it is, is no longer any good, right? It serves no purpose. I did a webinar in um, over the summer, which will speak to you, you're, you know, being a king economist, um, looking at alternative measures to GDP. And, you know, so Joseph Stiglitz, um, the great economist who's been looking at this for the last decade, he said, you know, what you define as success is what you strive to achieve. And the reason why, you know, the world is the way that it is, and we're looking at an ecological and climate crisis, and COVID has brought out a lot of social inequalities as well as has, has, has enhanced the view of those equalities, not enhanced the inequalities, but has enhanced, it has also enhanced some of the inequalities because COVID has obviously hit some people um, more disproportionately than others because our, our, our system, our infrastructure is not set up in a way that's conducive for you know, not leaving people behind. And, you know, when people say capitalism is bad, it's not capitalism that it's bad, but it's the version of it that we are currently and have been living until now that is not right. And that is a very easy fix. It's just about doing things the right way. It doesn't need kind of, you know, you know, yes, there have been green bonds and you've got sustainability linked notes and you've got, you know, the emergence of that, which is helping to transition money in the right direction. But beyond that, you know, I think... 
I almost feel a lot of the effort has just been um, because you're trying to to fight against those who are against the the, the 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 cause, if you will, and the laggards, and 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 that's a lot of effort to try. You know that that mindset. If if you if you translate into other that into other bits of of of, of life, you know anything that is uh, hard work mentally, you're gonna I, you have to expend more energy into that. And I think a, a lot of some of our effort is just trying to pull those people along and we don't have a lot of time right um you know you see in certain parts of the world that are 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 devastatingly hit and you know it's very easy sitting you know i'm i'm a londoner uh, going back a number of decades you know i live in a bubble here in london is a bubble and it's very easy for people who are living in bubbles to think well you know what it, I, i'm not really affected um you know i don't see it going on um it's help, it's happening elsewhere and the happening elsewhere, you know, you see the Amazon has, 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 has changed its features. You know, we've got a lot of the land that's turning into savanna and that's basically, you know, irreversible in terms of rainforest um, uh, 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 land, basically. You've got parts of Southeast Asia that are always being flooded. You've got, you know, all kinds of stuff going on in the world. And you have kind of my qualm and, and I kind of put the onus a little bit in the, in, in the investment sphere um, because... We we manage money, and that's why the finance sector is best placed to tackle this crisis. And if a, if, if if a lot of us are not doing the right thing, or or some of us are not doing the right thing, and in a timely fashion, um, or are hiding what it is that we do, or saying one thing but are doing the opposite, um, we're not going to find that out until like maybe five years down the line, seven years down the line. By which time it's kind of too late, or we're we're, we're really cutting it fine if 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 we're not too late even at all. So, you know, yes, it keeps me up at night, to be honest, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, that may be another, that might be a sign that I actually need to maybe uh, get a life away from this, but, um, but it's important, right? Um, and, and it's about kind of building a sustainable future. You know, you're, you're a dad, you've got two kids, you're thinking about their future. And whether, you know, you're a parent or not, all these kids, they're all our kids and, and we want to build a better future for them. Yes, <laughs> you mentioned two other things that keep me awake at night too. But, uh, but, but, and, and clearly, I mean, uh, Gina, your, your motivation here is, you know, I'm just, it, just, it just came out the emotion sort of listening to you just then and talking about and doing good and such. I just want... To t- touch on one other uh, area about working with others uh, in this space, and obviously you mentioned to you, listening to what other people have to say, but you, you, I'd like to sort of maybe ask you a little bit about your work with UXIF and you know projects um, in, in that area there about how people can come together. I mean, just just quickly say a step back. I think it's easier to give capitalism a bad, you know, get, get a bad um, press on this one. After all, um, you know, it has been a force for an increasing living standards over a couple of hundred years. It, I think, personally, I'm in mean, the optimistic count. It's one of those, do you know what? Okay, there's an aspect to it that's broken. We need to fix it. And I've, you know, I have faith in human ingenuity that we can fix it uh, in the nick of time. Um, so, but but in terms of that, you know, it, it, that coalition of people that, you know, we've we've been on this journey together for some time now, but, you know, maybe perhaps to go back to the UXIF point and uh, the work that you're doing there. Yeah, so we're, we're members of um, UXIF. Um, for those who might not be familiar with it, it's the UK Sustainable Investing um, Finance Association. So you have a number of SIFs around the world um, and they contribute um, as well to, um, there's a biennial report. So the next one is actually due, I think, out in January now. Um, so that will look at the kind of global trends um, of the last two years in sustainable investing. But UXIF, um, they're really great. I know 
Simon Howard is on his way out now. Um, is retiring. Um, and he's done a great deal of work in terms of um, working with the Treasury Select Committee and um, pushing the sustainable um, finance agenda from from policy perspective. And we're working um, closely with, with government with that. So we're, we, we try and be act, active members. They have two analyst events per year. One of them was actually in um, Edinburgh. At the start of lockdown, for which we were media partners, um, just as I was supposed to come across to Guernsey in June, I was also supposed, supposed to go to Edinburgh in April, and that also got uh, curtailed, um, <laughs> which is very annoying. Um, but both events went ahead virtually. Both ahead, yeah. Both went ahead virtually, um, which was cool because then you get, you know, you you it, it meant having it over a couple of days, and you get, mm. um, you know, a lot more attendance. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm somebody I like human interaction as well. I think it's very important um, the face to face element, and and we try and support, um, you know, at least um, you know, uh, retransmitting the campaigns that they do. So again, kind of um, going back to pensions, they had uh, they do good money week every year. Um, and last year, a big push for that was mention the pension as well, um, which, you know, is, is again important because pensions are invested in companies that, you know, could be doing um, more harm than good. And therefore, it's important for people to engage um, with them and, and, and ask that their money is invested um, for the good of um, betterment of the world. And fintech broadly can be the uh, the tool that you know provides that transparency to know what it, ultimately I'm investing in personally as a as an individual. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, th- I think you have, you have globally, I mean, um, you know, you talk about collaboration as well and, and our work and collaboration, I think for, for sustainability is, in, is incredibly important, you know, because it's a, it's a global problem. And I know, you know, you guys do, you're, you're, you're well networked as well across, across the globe. Um, and that's really important, right? Because also mm-hmm. what happens in one part of the world is going to have an impact on the other part of the world. And, and so policy, you know, and that's why it's important for governments to speak to each other because policy that government one government sets, you know, has to be coherent with as well, you know, if we're looking at global good and everybody going in the same direction, that those policies together also make sense that they don't overlap, that they, you know, and for us kind of in the, in the private um, and civil society sphere, it's again, working together and, and collaborating, um, sharing knowledge, um, sharing resources, um, you know, and, 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 and that's really important. It is, I agree. And um, what's also important is is people like yourselves who clearly, you know, you, I think our listeners will really hear the commitment um, to the cause that came out in that conversation there um, today, Gilan. I really appreciated listening to you um, just then. I, I came away sort of appreciating that, you know, when you, when you say it's, it's fintech, not just for fintech's sake, but how... You know, and it's maybe a bit of a cliche that, but, but fintech for being a force of, for good. But how it can drive transparency and reporting in ESG and sustainable finance to, to ultimately end investor and, and the application in the pension sphere to achieve those um, global goals. You know, the six trillion figure that you heard about. So, thank you ever so much. Absolutely, um, thank for you for having me. <laughs> it was great. No, I mean genuinely, uh, I'll come away and uh, give, give my apple a bit more. Um, and there are other things apart from apple as well by the way <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping to get sort of you know some sort of sponsorship uh, deal going obviously um no my apologies so hey Gina, thank you ever so much uh, for that conversation today i'm hoping to sort of see you physically soon it would be really nice you know it's 
uh, it's it been would be wonderful. I'm missing. I'm missing the travel. I'm missing. Um, I'm missing you guys coming over as well because I, you you usually come over two three times a year, don't you? And um, hopefully, be coming. Like I said, I really got it to not have been able to get over across to Gansey. Um, I was supposed to go over twice um, in the last couple of months. Um, so, yeah, yes, hopefully. Well, yes. Well, and we'd, we'd welcome you with open arms. It would be really nice to see you. But uh, in the meantime, uh, if it just remains for me to sort of say thank you so much again. Um, we do have uh, a back catalogue of interviews and panel discussions on the Guernsey Green Finance podcast. Uh, check them out by searching for Guernsey Green Finance wherever you get your podcasts. Didn't realise you'd get them up from more than one source, but there you go. Uh, you can also find us at guernseygreenfinance.org and weareguernsey.com and interact with us importantly on Twitter at gsygreenfinance and at weareguernsey. Uh, we also will have uh, links to Gilan's um, social media in our show notes, so do check them out to hear more from Julian and we'll be back again soon with another edition of the Guernsey Green Finance podcast. Thank you very much.